Why are you not in school right now? I am not in school right now because uh, for the whole month of May uh, there are exams happening and so I only have to go into school uh, to, for exams. So just like a few hours a week I have to go into the exams and the rest of the time I can be at home studying or speaking on podcasts. Or <laughs> right. So are the exams like statewide exams or are they unique to your individual school? Uh, no, they're the same across the whole of Scotland. Gotcha. Well, you should introduce yourself since uh, I think you'll be a new person to most of the people that listen. Uh, okay, I am Ross Penman and I am a 15-year-old um, developer from uh, and I live in Scotland, and I have done lots of stuff with Rails, and I am a big Ruby fan. I was talking on, on Twitter about how I wanted to have a teenager on, and, and you were recommended, so <laughs> your community thinks you would be a good guest. Cool. So uh, let's, uh, let's start from the beginning, and I can't wait to hear how long ago this was. Uh, what got you into programming first? Into programming, well, um, so for a very long time, like since I started using a computer, probably I kind of I wanted to make websites. I was always really into computers, and I wanted right. I want to make a website, and I used to. We had Word two thousand, and Word two thousand had a save as web page feature. So I used to like you know move auto shapes around and position them and save as a web page. Yeah, I can do this. This is great. Um, but then, when I was maybe eleven or twelve, um, then I decided I want to make iPhone apps, and uh, that was that was uh, going to be rather problematic because I didn't have a Mac, which you kind of need, and uh, I also didn't have an iPhone. So. <laughs> <laughs> but then I, I discovered this, uh, it was like an HTML framework called iWebKit, and you basically copied and pasted HTML in, and it had a style sheet that made things look like an iPhone app, and that was good enough for me. And uh, so I kind of, without meaning to, got back into actually making websites. So the first time I got into properly making websites was when I didn't want to be doing it, and I wanted to be making iPhone apps. So, so when, um, you were, when you were tooling around on your pretend iPhone apps, what kind of apps were you making? Um, well, I think I was making just kind of, like, looking at a website and trying to like turn them into apps so really it wasn't it was just like you know you had all your content and it was kind of themed a bit differently it was uh, what I was doing there um, so that was when you were that was when you were 11 or 12 you got into 11 that. or 12 yeah, yeah. Um, then after that I kind of I learned CSS because this framework only worked for... I wanted to make them look like iPad apps on an iPad, so I started, I, like, changed the CSS a bit and uh, kind of started learning that that way. And then I got into making proper websites, and then uh, I learned PHP and WordPress, and then eventually I 
came onto Rails, and I've been ha I've kind of stayed there because I like Rails. So you consider yourself a Ruby a Ruby Rails programmer more so than any other thing, or or? Uh... Uh, yes, I do. I program in a lot of languages. Um, uh, Ruby is kind of my go-to language, but I also, you know, if it fits the task, I use uh, JavaScript or CoffeeScript. Um, and occasionally uh, C and D as well. Hmm. So tell me about your favorite Rails project that you've worked on so far. My favorite Rails project... Uh, so when in the summer, uh, last summer, Apple's developer website went down for quite a long time. It was a good couple of weeks, and this website, you know, is needed to um, uh, distribute apps in the App Store and update them. And like, even I think the documentation, the online documentation, went down. The mm -hmm. might not have done. I can't quite remember. Um, but, you know, after about a week, people were starting... It, it goes down fairly often for a couple of hours, but uh, after it had been a week, people were starting to get very concerned. And uh, so I um, I made a fairly simple Rails app that just uh, scraped their status website and every part a component of the site came back online would send text messages to people who'd subscribed and it was just a form to subscribe and uh, I got about a thousand people subscribed to that. That's cool. Have you uh, have you ever built an app to impress someone at school? Um, not really. No, that's... No, you've got that trick up your sleeve and you haven't used it? Uh, no, I haven't. And generally, uh, when I start talking about programming at school, people get bored fairly quickly and go away. So well, I, th I think that that may stay with you for a while, the, the <laughs> other people's boredom. But I think you can make apps that people think is, are fun. Like, yeah. For example, if you had like invented Snapchat before Snapchat, I bet you'd be popular at school for that. Yeah, I think I probably would be. Um, not my, that I'm saying my... you're not popular at school. That was not my point. <laughs> um my my real difficulty is I find it kind of difficult to finish things. So um, I, I'll start I start loads of things and then they never get finished, and so I can never show them to anybody. So speaking of uh, Snapchat, are you on Snapchat? No. Is Snapchat a thing in Scotland? Uh, yes, it is. It's uh, very popular, but I've never really tried it. I was going to ask you what your Snapchat score is. I learned the other day that, that it keeps score. I'm not sure if they call it a score, but that's what I call it. And it's the the number of sent and received Snapchats since you started to use the service. Ah, uh, okay. So mine would be zero. Yeah. I think that that's a... I mean, I think you either want to have zero or a high score, but I think a high score is bad, so zero seems good. My yeah. daughter has a score of 29,000, which I, I can't believe. It's really absurd. 29,000? Uh-huh. Wow. I know, I've surveyed most of her friends, too, and I don't know, it seems like she's maybe five or 6,000 above the average of the friends. I think the average is in the low 20,000s, the highest number I've seen is in the high 50,000s, and then... So that's 20,000 sent and received total. That's right, yeah. That, that's a lot. No kidding. I know, because they're all selfies, right? So, hmm. 
I think the genius of Snapchat is that <clears throat> it enables kids to say that they're not taking selfies when they are taking selfies. They say, no, I'm Snapchatting. Ah. Yeah, but I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm on to that scam. <laughs> <laughs> well, what, what, apps, uh, what apps are you using right now? Uh, like like to, to communicate, so is it like WhatsApp or is it just iMessage? Or... Uh, yeah, iMessage and uh, uh, TweetBot are my communication apps of choice. Mm. Do, you, do you speak with kids at school over Twitter? Is that most a, mostly like a programming community thing? Um, occasionally, uh, people at school over Twitter, but uh, mo- mostly other kind of programmery people. Now, do you hang out? Like, what's your social network? Are you mostly in the programming world now, or do you spend a lot of time with kids from school, or a bit of a mix? Uh, yeah, so I generally spend lots of time in, like, the programming community. Um, I've never really been that much of a kind of social person at school. I've never really been super into like doing things after school or going I, I don't know what people do but, um, uh, are, there, are there school dances is that a thing we have uh, a dance once a year called a Kaylee uh, which is spelled C-E-I-L-I-D-H because it's an old Scottish word and it's oh, kind cool. of Scottish dancing we have that and I did go to that this year for the first time I think you should go to them I'm going to give you some yeah. advice <laughs> I, my, my daughter is refusing to go to the prom, and it, it's annoying to me. The prom is like the KD for when you are about to graduate yeah. from high school. Yeah. I think we might have one of those now as well. Um, I think that's maybe a new thing here. Oh, really? I sort of assumed that was an American thing. It, it is an American thing, but I think it's kind of like a lot of other American things kind of bleeding in. For, um, right. So, so we, what apps are you working on uh Right now, what Rails apps? Um, so right now, I am not really doing very much because I'm supposed to be focusing on exams and stuff for another week. <laughs> but something I would like to be working on if the rest the rest of my life wasn't happening at the moment, um, I'm quite interested to see how you could kind of combine uh, static website generators like Jekyll with some kind of um, web application so you kind of have this hybrid and so you know you'd get the performance benefits and the uh, you know it would, you'd still have these static files that you could host anywhere but you'd also have this um, applications and so you had like a rich interface for editing and it could also handle stuff like comments and that sort of thing, which are a problem with uh, Jekyll at the moment. You can't you can't have comments or anything else that requires a server. So, I mean, are you are you thinking about just going like fragment cache heavy with Rails, or are you thinking about a different approach? I think what I do would be to kind of it would just it would it would just kind of wrap Jekyll and actually generate files. And then you could you could uh, you could have those files on another server um, if you wanted, if, or if you had them on a CDN or something, you could. Um, so you could keep them separate, and 
so your your static site would be able to ha handle heavy load and stuff, and you just have this Rails app that was uh, kind of running in the background and regenerated them and something. I wonder changed. why the. It seems like many people are fascinated with static website generators. I wonder why. Well, I think it's because of the um, how easy it is to host them has got to be a major one. Like you can host them on GitHub Pages for free, and you know as much traffic as you want, and all of that. And also, I think people are maybe looking for something a bit simpler than you know kind of heavy CMS type things so something I'd be keen to look at if, uh, when I explore this concept is like making sure people could like stick to editing files and stuff and the server would kind of do as much or as little work as as they wanted it to so it could you know be as simple as you wanted which I think is a big draw for people to static site generators and then would you add features like comments through, but you know, JavaScript from there? Um, yeah, I think so. Like something like you, you need uh, the reason comments aren't possible at the moment is you need a server, and it's uh, it's not like a huge thing for a server to be able to handle comments, but it's you need the server to be there, or you need to use a third-party service like Discuss or something. So maybe kind of a plugin sort of thing would work well. Yeah. So are you doing this as your summer project, or do you have a summer job? What's your summer plan? I'm not entirely sure yet. Uh, <laughs> I, I don't really know. When does the summer uh, start? Just see how it goes. Uh, at the beginning of June. <laughs> That's not that far away. No, it's not. So, okay, let's, I think that we should take the next No, ten. beginning of July. Sorry. Okay. So well, away. That's six weeks away. And how long is your summer break? Six weeks. Oh, that's not long. No, yeah. How long are they in the States generally? I well, get the impression they're longer. Yeah, they are. I think that they the average end date for school is probably the end of the first week of June, so maybe June 5th or so. And it depends what part of the country you're in. So I think the southern part of the country tends to get out of school a bit later, or I'm sorry, a little bit earlier than the north does. Um but I don't know, maybe about June 5th. And then I think that most people go back to school the last week of August. So what's that? Wow. Uh, 10 weeks then? 11? Yeah, that's a long time. Yeah. It's not really a good idea, I don't think. I don't know. I, I mean, you know, because well, they've got a lot, not to derail us here, but they, they've, uh, many studies have been done now about what, sets kids back from grade to grade like why is it that one you know one child uh progresses year to year better than another uh and one of the big reasons is that some number of kids don't get a lot of educational um you know time during the summer and yeah. so, so when they come back to school 11 weeks later they've taken you know a couple steps back from where they were at the end of the school year that seems like a bummer to me not to mention the school buildings sort of go unused, which is seems a bit silly. But yeah, that does that be a bit of a shame sometimes. Uh, so six weeks. Well, what what's the typical plan for six weeks during the summer for a kid your age in Scotland? Uh, often people will know, go on holiday for a week, maybe like somewhere in Europe. That's uh, fairly common. We don't generally do that. It's mainly because it's too hot for me I think I burn very easily in sun um, 
and then the, you know the rest is sometimes people get a summer job usually they're just kind of uh, around and are now spending time with friends and stuff for a, a, five weeks it's right. if your parents could choose what would you do for the summer if my parents could choose, um, <laughs> can they? I don't know. Can they choose? Maybe this is a rhetorical question. <laughs> if, they, um, if they could choose, what would they choose? If they could choose, um, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I, I have no idea. <laughs> that, that's funny. So, uh, oh come on, you've you've got to know your parents, okay? Like, I'll give alternatives, and you tell me which one they'd pick. Uh, would they rather you learn a new programming language or um, ride in a train to ride in a bike race? Okay, yeah, I think that would definitely be the first one, I think. Um, okay, they would rather you learn a new programming language. Oh, yeah, I think so. Um, my, my, uh, my parents are pretty supportive of kind of... Uh, what I'm doing and like it's you know going to benefit me in the future and stuff though um are either of them programmers my dad ha has been a programmer in the past I don't think he is now he um but in the past uh, he was a COBOL and C programmer oh yeah did he help you learn at all Ed. Uh, not really, no. Um, I mean, there's the. Uh, he refused to help you learn. Well, that's not nice. He, no, it's he didn't <laughs> refuse. I think the, uh, the you know the skills the skills are very different to what they were when he was doing it, and kind of the context in which he did it. So, uh, what about your mom? Is she program? Uh, no, she's not. She's uh, not a computer person at all. Got it. But she would not mind if you learned a new programming language over the summer. Oh, no, not at all. I yeah. don't think. That's good. I mean, she'd probably prefer that I left the house at some point. But <laughs> So she would like you to program, learn to program elsewhere? Well, yes, or, you know, go and cycle or something as well. Yeah, right. So let's talk about how you did learn how to program. Uh, are you... You know, what approach do you use early, and then what approach do you use now to pick up new skills? Um, so, I've always kind of like I've I I don't I've not especially early on I didn't set out I'm going to learn PHP or I'm going to learn CSS I want to do this thing. Um, and so I would just kind of jump in and do it and start copying and pasting things in and see if they worked. And then kind of over time, as I became more familiar with stuff, I could start to change it myself. But uh, when I decided that I wanted to learn Rails, uh, I did have a project in mind. The reason I wanted to learn Rails um, was because I... I was trying to make an email client in PHP, and uh, PHP has has some kind of uh, IMAP uh, module in it, but it's disabled on most hosting providers. 
and I had some PHP web hosting that didn't support it. So I was looking around, and it turned out that Rails did have this thing that uh, I needed. And so I thought, great, I'll go and learn that and just translate all of my code over. And uh, But, you know, Rails is kind of a big thing to learn, especially because um, I'd never really done anything like it before. Uh, and at, uh, so... At that time, I'd just been—I'd been given a Treehouse membership. They did this thing. Mm. Uh, I, this was about a year and a half ago. They just—they decided to give free memberships to loads of students, and I was one of them. So they had a really good course on Rails, and I kind of followed that. Uh, generally, I'd like to learn from screencasts. I think uh, I find that's the way I pick things up best. Um, and. So that's probably one of the reasons that I like Rails is that there are so there are so many uh, good screencast resources, not um, not these Railscasts, which has been a big help in learning. What? Uh, how would you characterize your Rails skills right now? Like from beginner to expert, where are you in that continuum? Um, I think I am probably intermediate at the moment i think i've i have a good understanding of what it would take to kind of build um most rails apps um but i think i i i need i would need uh, more experience and kind of seeing how bigger rails apps are are uh, are implemented before I can move up any further. Yeah, I think. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think one's opinion tends to change quite a bit about the right design over time. Well, at least mine has, you know. Or and even even at the app level, I think that my opinion changes a decent amount. You know, I used to. I used to care much more about getting something just working, and, and yeah. now, you know, once you once your skills get better, then you start worrying about other problems. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, uh, w what's your next Rails app that you'll build? Do you think outside of the you know forget the the static blogging, but the uh, um, do you have any ideas that have been on your mind? Um, other than that, no, not really at the at the moment. I mean, not that I want to steal your brilliant idea or anything. <laughs> no, um, not at all. Um, no, in terms of Rails apps, I haven't really been that inspired recently. Um, what is inspiring you recently? Well, uh, there are a couple of things. There are a couple of uh, Ruby tools that I want to build that kind of. Uh, help development in general that are kind of not rail specific mm, that's good let's um, talk about those so often when i'm starting working on something which happens a lot because i can't finish things uh, i need or it, i think it would be good if i could start out from some sort of template um and like especially if it's you know like a static uh HTML site and I just like I have to go and create all these files and I want to use SAS so I have to you know get that set up and uh, 
you know, it's kind of a pretty repetitive task. And even with rails, you, um, which generates uh, the kind of foundation for you, um, I still like, you know, like to have changes to that. Like I want to uh, install R spec and uh, use Postgres and that sort of thing. Um, so I want I I want a tool that makes it easy to kind of create templates. So you'll like go into a directory and say, yeah, turn this directory into a template, and you can later reuse that and have like variables like the project name. You know, set those when you're using them. Um, I don't know about the features in Rails about. I mean, so does Rails have anything built in that allows you to I don't know change the default or, or add to the default gem set or um, change anything in application RB or or anything like what you're saying? I don't really know. No. Um, well, I know you you can pass a flag to set what database you want to use uh, to Rails new. Right. Um, and it'll you know set the it'll install the right gem and uh, set up the database YAML file. Um, but you know you you have to remember to type that uh, uh, at least, and I usually don't. And then I have to you know go and generate the thing. Well, hey, I'll, I'll, I'll give you a, wrong, I'll, I'll give you a tip then. So you can change your Rails or dot Rails RC, and it'll, oh. it'll always pick up the uh, whatever configuration flags you put in that file when you run Rails new anywhere. Oh, oh well, that's good. We're slowly making my project unnecessary. I like this. <laughs> I know. I don't know if this is good news or bad. News. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So there's uh, it's dot rails rc. You put it in your home directory, and then you know, oh, cool. if, if you want to, I don't know, skip test unit or use Postgres yeah. or skip bundle or whatever, mm. it'll pick that up. This is fun. Why don't we do the game of go through the projects you want to do, and then we'll see if we can come up with an existing project yeah, to ex make it. Yeah, existing solutions and just... To make yeah. it unnecessary. We'll get through your whole summer break in about ten <laughs> minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right, any any other Ruby libraries that you're interested in building? Um, <laughs> that already exist? <laughs> the, not at the moment, uh, I don't think. I think that's about it for ideas at the moment. Though. Have you written a Ruby gem ever? Um, I have. I didn't get very far with it, but I did I, like have a gem that worked and I could use. I just uh, never quite got around to finishing that, as I do with most things. Um, There's a graveyard it, of of dead unfinished projects. Yeah, on in your my I ha on my GitHub, um, I have. You know these piles of projects that I'll never get around to finishing, which is well. At least you're airing them in public. I think that that's oh, nice. yeah. you know because otherwise, I don't know. It could it could make your you know mental health worse. <laughs> uh. Yeah. All right. Well, I think that we should take our first break and uh, do a sponsor. Is that all right with you? Yeah. That's, that's all good. right. So the. Uh, the first sponsor is the most famous sponsor in all of podcasting. I bet you know who it is. Ooh, is... <laughs> is I, d I don't want to be wrong here because uh, that's the, not good, is it? This, this tension is part of the fun. So get, <laughs> you've got to guess and then we'll, we'll all have egg on our face if you're wrong. <laughs> <laughs> is it 
Squarespace. It is Squarespace. Ah. Oh, man, you get 100 points. Yep, so our first uh, sponsor this week is Squarespace. Uh, you can learn more at squarespace.com slash rubyonrails. And let me tell you a bit more about them. They're the all-in-one platform that makes it fast and easy to create your own professional website, portfolio, and online store. For a free trial and 10% off, go to squarespace.com and use the offer code SPRING. Let's take a break here. Why do you think they chose SPRING? SPRING. Because SPRING is new in Rails 4.1 and it uh, keeps your app instance running you don't have to start a new one each time i mean that's what i that's what i guessed also um but man that is in that is an inside baseball reference i think yeah well, that's yeah, a inside inside, they, inside they baseball. did their research i guess so who knew i always thought that these uh, sponsor codes were just random words that yeah <laughs> well maybe that's the state of ruby gems that there are so many that yeah every word has been covered <laughs> so <laughs> whatever code was going to somehow be relevant yeah all right, so for a free trial, 10% off, and to have your app stay booted so your tests run faster, <laughs> uh, use Spring, offer code Spring. Uh, Squarespace constantly updates their platform with new features, new designs, and more support. They have beautiful template templates for you to start with and tons of style options for you to adjust so you really can create your own space online. Everything is drag and drop, so it's easy to add content from your desktop and even rearrange elements of content within a page. Squarespace makes sure your site automatically looks great on any device because every Squarespace website has its own unique mobile design. You can connect uh, your site to social networks like Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, Interest, Google, and many more. They've got e-commerce built into their platform, so if you want to set up a shop and sell things on your site, you can do that. It's incredibly easy to use, but if you need some help, over 70 employees are on the customer care team uh, located both in New York City and Dublin. Did you know that they had a, a customer support team in Dublin? Uh, yeah, I think I did because they sponsor so many podcasts. <laughs> right. Well, you know, you have to hear something a few times before it sinks yeah. in. Well, most people have to hear something a few times before it sinks in. You're, you're the guest and you're 15, so maybe that's not true yet for you. <laughs> Anyways, their customer support staff uh, in New York City and Dublin, available 24-7 for live chat and email support. You can try Squarespace for free without a credit card, and if you decide to purchase, plans start at 8 bucks a month. They include a domain name if you sign up for a year. Make sure to get 10% off and support the show using the offer code SPRING. So thank you to Squarespace for supporting 5x5 Five Five and the Ruby on Rails podcast. <clears throat> All right. I just looked out the window and realized that uh, it is now spring, so maybe, <laughs> maybe that's what it was. Consequences of programming. One's, <laughs> one's awareness of the season diminishes. <laughs> yeah, that happens. Yeah. So uh, back to your parents' preference for your summer break. So uh, what if you said, I got a job for six weeks? Would they think that's a good idea or a bad idea? I think they'd probably think it was a good idea. Um, and actually something that I'm considering doing, I'm kind of thinking it through at the moment, um, but uh, was you know, seeing if I could find some freelance work or something. So I know a lot of... Uh, acquaintances of mine of kind of similar ages do that, but I've never really gotten into that before. Okay. Have, so have you I, ever done a freelance project before? 
yes, I did. I have done one. It was. Uh, did you finish it? Yeah. Uh, yes. Tell yes, I did one. finish that. Well, that's good. <laughs> <laughs> what was it? I mean, I don't mean specifically, but what kind of work was it? It was uh, iOS, um, and yeah, it was it was an iOS application that was kind of unfinished. And wait, I thought you said you finished I, it. I did finish it. Well, it was unfinished when I when oh, I oh I see someone when else I inherited it. And, yeah. <laughs> now I didn't know that you were an Objective C programmer too. Um. Yeah. I do. I I do know Objective C. Um. I've. Other than this one project, I've never really done anything that serious in it. Um, and recently, I've been kind of I've been uh, uh, checking out Ruby Motion as well. Mm-hmm. Um, I ca- I'm not. I've kind of decided to leave it for a while though because I don't I don't like the user interface uh, libraries and things. I think they're I, I don't find enjoy um, using them to be as enjoyable as I do doing other programming so I've kind of you know if you if you want an iOS app without a user interface hit me up but <laughs> uh, like what would that even be just an audio interface yeah, um, <laughs> yeah well the one time I used their audio libraries I didn't quite like that either um, <laughs> if, if you if you if you want like a Mac command line to an Objective-C I could do that okay there we go well <laughs> that's something I think that you may have a, a, a larger potential um, employer base in, in Ruby and Rails than you would in command line Objective-C apps for, for yeah. iOS. Though. Yeah, I, I think so. <laughs> so describe your perfect uh, summer um, contracting project. What would it be? Because, you know, people listen to this show, so you might as yeah. well get yeah, it out there. I was just thinking. Um, well, uh, <laughs> don't, don't blow it, Ross. Come on. <laughs> wow, the pressure's on. Um, some some kind of uh, some kind of Rails project. Let's start there. Um, uh, something with where some maybe an implementing an API. Uh, okay. I I like doing that because uh, CSS annoys me, uh, but. When I'm implementing an API, I don't have to bother with that as much. Um, so this is going to be like the first ageist thing that I've said, or at least that I've knowingly said. I always imagine that that um, that programmers at the very beginning of their their development. So, well, I guess maybe you're not at the very beginning of your development anymore. Kind of are very into CSS. It seems like everyone that I know that's young, that's just into programming, is all about CSS, and then somehow that fades away. Yeah, maybe that's it's, totally uh, wrong. It's one of those things that's kind of easy to pick up and get started with, isn't it? Well, I guess so, that's what you said you did at first. Yeah, that's uh, I started with HTML and then CSS, which is a good. I think that's the best path you can take to get into programming, um, because it's kind of small steps to to be introduced to it. Like, um, but then I think yes, as as. Uh, as as you go on and start to try to do more complex things with CSS, um, it starts it starts to be less fun because uh, you know complex layouts and stuff. Um, 
at the moment CSS is considered to not be that good at them though I know they're working on that and they have like their uh, new Flexbox thing that I haven't really played with yet but it does look quite good so it looks like it's improving there but I think it, it was especially, especially when you when uh, you are as much of a and not about keeping HTML like super semantic and clean as I am. It can be. It can get. Uh, it can get quite frustrating very quickly. Right. Okay. So ideally, we've got a Rails project that is not too CSS heavy. Yes. Okay. And I do. I do. Still, I do still enjoy writing CSS, and I do like. Uh, I do like doing front end stuff as well. Um. But I think I find it easier to work with APIs and data than uh, than making things look nice. Cause... Now, do you have a good eye for the design of an app? Do you think? Um, well, I think I can look at an app and tell if it looks good or not. But when it comes to designing one myself, um, I'm probably not so good. Though that's what I'm trying to work on at the moment. I've just uh, bought a couple of books about design to see if that can. That can help me. I'm design is the area I'm trying to improve on with myself at the moment. Well, you can't have everything, Ross. You know. Yeah. Are you tall? Am I tall? Yeah. Uh, Just on the topic of having everything, I'm trying to figure out what you what, you know what your gaps are. So so <laughs> far, you know, interest in or, or or design skills, you're not so yeah. sure. Um, I am fairly tall, probably. Huh? Well, maybe, I, you, maybe you can have everything. I, I, I don't know how tall I am, but... <laughs> well, then we're going to get into that awkward centimeters to to inches. Well, yeah. Which, uh, I'm not, I don't remember how tall I am in centimeters <laughs> either. <clears throat> okay, so Rails Project, API, um, anything more specific? Um, anything some... else you'd want to avoid? Maybe we can take it from that side. Stuff I'd want to avoid. Yeah. So um, if someone said, "Okay, you know, we we uh, have a JavaScript project uh, or CoffeeScript project that's uh, interacting with our Rails backend. That's something you're capable of, or not so much." Uh, yeah. Um, probably, though. I think you know, kind of a really heavy uh, client side one. I might not be. So Guda, I just uh, I started learning Angular fairly recently to kind of get an idea of how that worked. Hmm. I haven't done um, that. How, uh, tell me about it. How's that process been? It was quite enjoyable, although it was um, it's it's one of those things where I think it's kind of difficult to get past the initial you know hello world thing or like. Um, so I got to uh, I loaded some tweets from Twitter's API and I could get those displaying and you know d- deleting and updating. But like when it came to like how would I do, um, how would I have like multiple views and that sort of thing? I uh, I found it difficult to kind of get information on how that started. Like in my quick search, I haven't really explored it all that much since then. But I uh, also I. I found it. I I wasn't too much of a fan of the way it did its views. Like you're writing these uh, 
kind of templates directly into HTML, and like there's no there's no data in HTML which I'm kind of philosophically opposed to because it's you know the web is for a a platform for structured information, and so I feel that you know HTML should contain at least some in structured information when you send it along the wire because you can't like then it it starts to break easily or someone doesn't have JavaScript enabled or that sort of thing. So and it sounds like the sort of thing that was interesting to learn, but you wouldn't want to use it every day. Is that um, wrong or? Yeah, it was interesting to learn, and I think. I would I would use it, but only in kind of specific circumstances. Like I think when when it's like displaying content from say Twitter, which is an external source, then it's okay because um, you are like people are would be using that application to interact with something else, and it's not like you're supposed to be presenting the data yourself. Or um, so for that sort of thing. I wouldn't mind using it, but when it was some kind of first-party data, I wouldn't. I I don't think I would use it. Mm-hmm. Um, or I would try and kind of bend it to my will of picking up on information that you know was sent from the server with the, at the same time as the HTML, and kind of making sure that it was uh, it degraded gracefully and stuff, which I think they they don't really do that well off the bat. Have you tried Ember? Um, I haven't tried Ember. No, I watched. I watched a couple of screencasts on Ember, but I could never. I could never quite get started with it in the way that Angular was fairly easy and kind of made more sense to me. It seems like people that uh, whose opinion I trust um, kind of like Ember. Um, mm. But I, yeah, I, I agree. That yeah, Ember. You see Ember more in kind of a Rails context than than uh, Angular or other ones. Ember seems to be the the Rails developers' framework of choice. So maybe I should look into it more. Well, I think that's probably because it was created by Yehuda Katz, who you know is mm. well known in the Rails yeah. community. So um, a lot of people like the work that he's done elsewhere. So yeah, I think it makes sense that he's got a bit of a following. Um, yeah. So, all right. So for this job, how much when you're when you're choosing your summer job and you're trading between the money that it will pay and the experience, how much do you care about? Like, how much do you care about the money for your summer job versus it being an interesting experience that kind of pushes you forward? I think at the moment, um, I don't really. I'm not, I don't think I'd really be doing it for money because it's not the sort of thing that I need to be focusing on right now. Um, that seems you know, like I'd, a good plan. I'd, uh, I think at this point in my life, getting experience would be far more valuable, though I would still like to be paid for my work. Um, I think that you know, one project that was going to be really dull but paid a bit more I wouldn't choose over something that would maybe give me a chance to learn something new. And uh, so, so what you're telling me is that that ideally it would be very interesting and pay you a ton. But if well, it, <laughs> that's that's the ideal for any project, surely. But, uh, yeah. how, however, if uh, if yeah. it was going to pay okay but was very interesting, you're interested. Yeah, yeah. that seems like a good good. Uh, 
Good trade. So how many kids in your school are also programmers? Probably two. Two uh, others? Apart or two, from, yes. Two, uh, uh, in, in your class or grade, whatever word you use for the kids uh, of the same age? Or? No, like across the whole... I think across the whole school there are probably two people who are kind of into programming and would do it outside of the visual basic that they teach in school. Wow, they teach visual basic in school still? They they do teach visual basic in school. Of all things. Mm. I mean, it's easy to get going with, I think. It's got that yeah. benefit. Yeah. And you can do a lot with it. Mm-hmm. I've, uh, I've written at length my thoughts on how they teach computing within my school. Um, oh yeah, where can I where can I see these thoughts? Uh, that they're on my website, rosspenman.com. Um, that was it was uh, it seemed to be fairly fairly popular then. My my writing about uh, computing education. So that, did, that was did you send the article to your principal? Uh, no, I did not. Though I my uh, Ross. <laughs> I, I Ross, that's, that's really passive aggressive you, you've got to tell your principal what you think about the school it, it wasn't really about my school in particular it was more it was more about the state of education that's, that's, that's also passive aggressive <laughs> um they they um i'm gonna forward your article to your principal just so he knows oh no they've they've, they've seen it by now um, he, he or she knows I, I think it was actually uh, my computing teacher was at a conference, and I'd actually been invited to speak at that conference, so I couldn't, I couldn't take them up on it. Um, and they, they found out about it there, I think. Um, <laughs> if you could do it all over again, would you have also sent a note to your computing teacher and your principal to say, "Hey, I." Uh, I am disappointed in your in the general approach and in your approach in particular, and here are my thoughts. Or do you think the way it went was fine? Now that's a difficult one. Um, I think. I mean, they they know how I feel, and they did know before how I feel about uh, about what they teach, and they are very good at kind of making exceptions for me and. Uh, making sure that I'm accommodated and and I think I think it would have been different if I'd written like okay this is the school I go to what they teach is terrible um you uh, stay stay well away I think I think I would have done it a bit differently but I think since what I, uh what I wrote was based on my experiences and the experiences of other people kind of across the country and across the world even um, so, what are your main criticisms of it? Oh, this is thinking back a while. It was March last year when I when I wrote this. Um, well, I, I, I bet I bet you still have the same criticism. I, yeah, I think uh, it was. I think it was the approach of people who are kind of outside of outside of computing, like maybe teachers and other subjects, um, maybe don't regard it as as important of a subject as I do, or as the. Uh, computing teachers do. Like, um, one of my points was that uh, computing was like the least taught subject in terms of time in for the first couple of years of school. Um, of high school or of of high school, sorry, yeah, yeah. Um, and 
uh, also kind of what it, I said what what's what's taught is kind of outdated and probably not particularly useful um, apart from maybe concepts. Uh, but at the same time, I did recognize that you know um, the teachers would love to be able to teach kind of more more up to date or more um, more useful things, but they uh, they aren't given the help they need to kind of to stay up to date or to learn new things. Um, now, are, are are these issues? Do you think impacting you negatively or others negatively? Like in other words, like you've obviously learned how to yeah. program one way or another, um, so do, do you think that the current state of things um, made it harder for for you, or you just look out to the rest of your the student body and say, "I can't believe there are only two other kids that program. It should be twenty or two hundred. Yeah. What the heck?" Um, I think I think it's I, I don't think it has negatively impacted myself. Um, because you know, I spend so much time on stuff. I mean, I'm of. Uh, no matter what they do, I'm probably going to be kind of sta- um, stand out and be a bit uh, ahead. Um, but I, you know, just as someone who was like really into music, would kind of stand out in a music lesson um, if they, you know, spend loads of time on it and stuff. But I think. For lots of other people, it is having a negative impact, and we can see that there are lots of jobs um, in the technology industry and not enough people to fill those jobs because they people with the skills um, are hard to find. And I think that's because we don't. Uh, I think that's because we don't have good enough or engaging enough uh, content in schools and um, so let, let's let's do it missing it let's do a tournament here so think about all the classes you took this year and if you think that there should be more time spent on you know programming or computer science or whatever word we want to use uh-huh. what what class is the first to go <laughs> like which one are we kick, which one are we kicking off in order to get, um, get you more time so at my school and this seems to be a fairly unique thing uh French is mandatory for a much longer time than it is in other schools, or like I think most schools you have to learn a language. Or, uh, yeah, I think that's um, true. But we are in, we have to learn French, which says seems kind of odd to me. So I think that I think French would be the first to go. Do you, do you um, go to a public school or a private school? Oh, okay, now we're going to get caught up in the definitions here, because in England they have weird definitions, and we have different ones in Scotland, and I don't know which definitions you use. So I go, uh, it's a state school, like... Pay, state uh, school, yeah. But, like, in in England, at least public and private schools are the same thing, so, which gets a bit confusing. I meant state-provided. So in other words, it's, yeah. not, it's not like you're going to, a, the, the you know, the French school of wherever Scotland. No, oh, no, no, it's, uh, no, it's... Okay, I'm just making sure that you know it wasn't by definition somehow French. Yeah, the reason. Yeah, it's it's uh, it's it's nothing like that. No, it just I think it's maybe just you know because so many teachers speak French or something. But it's... Yeah. all right, so French is the first to go. Seems reasonable. Now, some people think that that uh, a foreign language requirement should be fulfilled by programming. I don't know that I agree, but I, I've heard many <laughs> do, people. Do they really have? Uh... 
I've heard a lot of people say that. I've yeah. come across that one before. I suppose, yeah, technically you're learning a language. Like some people are learning French, some people are learning Spanish, and some people are learning Ruby. That would be a, that would be fun. Yeah. Um, oh, okay. But, yeah, I so fr- fr- French is gone first. Now, uh, no. <laughs> what's next? So, I think... I'm going to see if you can free up your entire day to program. That's my... my At the moment, uh, for me, um, computing is like I get the same time as all of the other subjects. It's more kind of early in school, in the first and second years of high school, which are when you're age kind of 11 to 13 here. Um, We... That's when it's not given as much time. Like, every subject is given the same amount of time, English and math are given slightly more, and computing is given less than like every other subject. Like, what are some examples of the ones that get more time that aren't English or math? Well, say geography or uh, uh, home economics or... Uh, oh, so is home, home ec is like, uh, that's like cooking and sewing yeah. and things like that, yeah. I think that at some point in the future there won't be a need for a computing class in schools. I think there'll be like a there might be like a programming class but not a computing class where you're actually learning how to use the computer. Like I think, you know, you'd learn how to use Excel in in maths and you'd learn how to use Word in English because that's where the skills are really necessary. And so well, not not to, not to do the you know uh, Scotland U.S. comparison on things show, but uh, I don't think that computing classes are common here. Really? Yeah, that's. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I like. Of, I've heard that a bit from talking to people. You know, some people get them and some don't. Um, well, my kids don't have. So my oldest uh, didn't have a computing class that I recall, and I, I I think I'd remember that and. The younger one, so one is uh, 11, one's 7, and the 11-year-old doesn't. Um, well, yeah, I, and I don't, I don't think it's a thing, actually. So in Scotland, computing classes are pretty common. Most schools will teach computing, although some don't. Um, in England, which has a... The United Kingdom, apart from Scotland, has a different educational system to Scotland. So in the rest of the UK... I think computing classes are now a requirement uh, hmm. for schools. Yeah, so, so how's the time divided up? Like, it's some portion is typing, some portion is how do you learn how to use a mouse, some portions like internet safety, that kind of thing. Yeah. So, er, um, early on, so starting from the beginning of high school, the first couple of years are kind of are very generalized, and you're, you'll learn. You'll learn about Word and Excel and PowerPoint and things, and you'll learn, you know, how to turn the computer on. They seem to like to start with that, although I doubt many people need to know that. Um, and you know, you'll they do safety and they'll do some like how to use. Uh, they teach you how to use Microsoft Paint, uh, and then they do programming in. Kind of in something called Scratch, which is kind of drag and drop. You have like you have loops and variables and things, but you kind of drag and drop them around. Oh, those are cool. I know what you mean. Yeah, where where you you kind of just 
describe the logic with these little yeah. build, like PowerPoint looking building blocks and rig up the little yeah 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 those are cool yeah they are they are a really good introduction to programming especially for doing like stuff like concurrency which is super difficult in uh in traditional programming is really easy because you just have like multiple blocks like kind of next to each other and they'll execute at the same time and stuff um and then you know that's then once you, once you get past the first two years and you actually have to, to continue with computing you have to you have to choose it because you there are no choices in uh, first and second year at least at my school um, so once you have to choose computing, it kind of becomes a bit more specialized, and it's very about it's very into programming and uh, you know how it, how how uh, words are represented on um, in binary and that sort of thing. Um, so the funny thing hearing you talk about this is, in some ways, I think. Um, your curriculum teaches a lot more computing than yeah. I would have thought. Like, I don't think that ours does. I think that you can, like at my daughter's school, I know that they had uh, some number of programming classes. Mm-hmm. I, think, I think that they had AP Java. That AP is like the college level in high school. Yeah. So they had a Java class. I'm sure of that. I think they may have had a statistical programming class, I think. So, you know, something like R you know, like stats with some applied R, but those were, those were higher level. Those were for kids that were maybe 17 or so 16 and 17. But before that, I, there was nothing compulsory that I recall. Um, Wow. And they didn't even learn typing, uh, which which I I think that I'm not sure if that's a thing. So uh, did you learn typing in school? Uh, we did like very early on about six or seven. We probably so, like at age six or seven? Yeah. Wow. Huh. So, so you, you have you have uh, accidentally here pitched the quality of Scotland's yeah. computing education. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's the most of it is quite good, like all of the data representation stuff and the what a computer is made of and how it works is all really good and really interesting. It's really just the programming part. Um, mm that I kind of, I have a bit of an issue with. And also, you know, teaching people how to use, um, how to use, like, proprietary software on a single operating system stuff. I'm not really a huge, I'm not, I'm, I don't really believe in that either. Seems somewhat absurd to me, honestly. Yeah. Okay, um, so so let's, let's bullet out your recommendation. I think you've got concrete recommendations. So one is move computing up two years in the curriculum and give it equal time to the other core subjects. Did I get that right? Yes. Okay. This, this seems like a reasonable pitch, Ross, so far. Yeah. Number two, uh, uh, move away from all proprietary software or as much as possible and yeah. go to open source or at least free versions of everything. Yeah. Um, well, or even show people multiple different ways of doing something, even if you teach Word, you know, um, oh, show see. people open office or pages as well. Just like I was speaking to somebody from an independent school in England. And so in England, they have independent schools that are kind of free to go off and kind of do their own thing a bit. And he was saying that they have, um, they, 
invested quite a lot in buying uh, several iMacs, and they run Windows and OS X, and people can kind of choose which one they prefer and learn on both, which I think is a really good way of doing it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, so that, that's also a very reasonable pitch. So you're saying, hey... I know that, that Word and PowerPoint and Excel are things, and you can even teach those. Just make sure you yep. let people know there are all alternatives. Yes. Okay. And then your third recommendation was increase the uh, number of programming offers later yeah. in the curriculum. Or, yes, or kind of move them, tri- modernize them a bit, really, Okay. is what I think needs to be done. Um, like Right up until... Um, we do kind of early university stuff uh, here called advanced higher. Um, and the level below that is higher, and that is kind of the qualifications that most people do, and that's what universities look at. And even at higher, uh, it's still at my school, at least uh, like all visual basic and uh, HTML with font tags and things. And then at advanced higher, it's your you can do whatever you want, but the school will still teach Visual Basic and things. So we, we, all the way through doing programming in school, you're not really exposed to anything that isn't Visual Basic, which I think needs to change. It seems like Microsoft has a very tight grip on your school. Microsoft has a very tight <laughs> grip on most schools over here. They're, it's really pretty remarkable. Yeah. Do, do you, um, does your school give you email? And is we're, it, is yes, it provided by Exchange, or is it on an Exchange server? It is. It's uh, off. It's Office three six five. I think powers the school email. The nobody, no, no one uses it anyway, so it doesn't really matter. Oh, really? But, yeah. They they started off with their own their their own proprietary email thing that the government spent millions of pounds on, and then it failed, so they switched to. Uh, getting Microsoft to provide all of it. Like they, um, they, a few years ago, the Scottish government invested several million pounds in developing this system called Glow. And Glow was supposed to be a way for you know, people to collaborate between schools, and it had all the email, and it was, there was kind of a weird social network-y type thing to it, and you had your own page, and it, was, it, really, it wasn't particularly well thought out, and uh, no one really uses it. Um, so they've kind of that—that that was a slight tangent about how they, how they, how the Scottish government spend money on education. It's not always the best way. And so they, we have we have this system with school email addresses and things there, and they're basically every every part. Glow is now just a portal that links to Microsoft, basically. At this point. So if you had to email a teacher, do you email their school address? Yes. Can you email teachers? Is that a normal thing? Um, Yeah, I mean, it doesn't you don't generally need to very often, but if you needed to submit some homework electronically or something, you absolutely could email a teacher. And you would use your school email, uh, you would use their school email address, but generally students don't use theirs. You should submit your homework with your uh, Microsoft customer ID instead of your name. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you should go go buy at school. <laughs> well, so, so so let's close out this sort of, like computing education thing. So it seems like yeah. your recommendations are all like uh, doable to me. Yeah. 
Like those, those don't seem, I don't know, too... I mean, I guess they're sort of progressive, but they don't seem too radical in any way. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just think, kind do you, of... Do you think it's going to happen? Have you, have you changed things? Um, I don't know. I mean, I... People... They... Uh, Teachers want this, and schools want this, um, but I'm not sure how much either of them can do because you know teachers are going to need some more training um, to kind of update their skills, and you know schools probably don't have the money for that, and so I don't know. I mean, if, if something's going to happen, it's going to have to be the government, and I don't know how much attention they're paying to this in 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 england and wales and northern ireland they they are paying attention to this and they've brought in all sorts of things like you have to teach programming from programming concepts from like age five there now but we don't have anything like that at the moment all right so, so let's pretend i was a school administrator like i'm the secretary of education for all of scotland and i give you a uh-huh. call today and i say okay ross uh, you've got good ideas. Uh, we don't have the money to educate teachers right now, uh, uh-huh. and, uh, and and plus that would take time. But yeah. you know, uh, you you know some open source and more currently popular languages like you know Ruby or JavaScript. Uh-huh. So we'll do what you want, but but we need you to teach one of the classes, and we'll give you credit for it. Would 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 you do that? Do you think you could teach a class? Uh, well, I'd like to. I don't know if I could. I, mean, I, I, I do like kind of helping people and teaching people. Um, and we, what, me with one of the other people who does programming, like another student that does programming at my school, started a programming club and kind of started teaching. Uh, we started teaching Java because that was what he knew. And, you know, I can competent enough to uh, do a hello world in it. So... We started doing that. I don't know how well we did. But now, now who are you teaching? We were teaching uh, just whoever turned up, any other uh, students who, who would come. And uh, we did have quite a few people coming. And, uh, no kidding. We've had to kind of put it onto a hiatus now because of the exams and things. But it was... I think that's great. Going well. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I, I actually, I mean, I was kind of kidding about you teaching the class, but I think that the idea is quite right that they're going to be, you know, there's going to be some number of kids in every school that have more current programming knowledge than the teachers, and mm-hmm. th- those kids probably yeah. want to help, or at least some portion yeah. of them would. So, how to use them seems like an interesting question. Yeah, I'm, I think it takes it takes willingness on the part of the, of teachers to be able to accept that they're going that you know they can learn from students and it can it doesn't have to just be kind of a one way mm. it reminds me of my favorite question to ask a uh, a principal so i've got you know some number of principals that i've known socially over the years and i always ask uh who is harder to deal with the students or the teachers always <laughs> because I think people forget, especially young people forget uh, that and maybe parents do too, that the teachers are just like people too, that have the same kind of issues yeah. as everyone else does. 
And I think you're right. I think that may not go with my plan for you to be the uh, student teacher. The player, the player coach may not go over that great with that crew. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe, though. Maybe you could get someone that would be pretty interested in it. It, it, it really, you know, some teachers are really, really interested and, you know, want to give kids the best, the, the best teaching that they can and they're happy to kind of learn from people. And some teachers are not as interested in that and that's just the way it is Mm -hmm. I think we should do our second sponsor Ross I think so too that sounds like a good idea All right. Uh, the second sponsor today is Codeship now Ross do you know who Codeship is I don't I haven't heard of them okay do you know what continuous deployment is yes okay so Codeship is continuous deployment made simple Um, You can set up your continuous integration server on CodeShip in a few steps and then automatically deploy when all of your tests have passed. So we haven't talked much about testing, and I don't want to go down that rabbit hole too much, but are you a... Or you did say RSpec before, so are are you a a TDD, um, I don't know, advocate or user, or do you use use testing at all? Yes, I do. I do do try to kind of do a do a TDD kind of thing. Um, the the, uh, the Ross flavor of TDD. <laughs> yeah. Probably, yeah. So the way that, uh, so then, you, you know, you know what continuous integration is. Yeah. So with CodeShip, you uh, uh, deploy or you're pushed to your repository and then it automatically builds your project, runs your tests, and then um, if you want it to then deploy automatically out to your production servers, it can. It's got great support for lots of languages and test frameworks um, and integrates with both GitHub and Bitbucket. On the deployment side, you can deploy to cloud services like Heroku, uh, Amazon Web Services, uh, Nojitsu, Google App Engine, or your own uh, servers. Uh, they've got a free plan that you can start with. It takes only about three minutes to get going. Uh, sign up at codeship.io, c o d e s h i p.io, and then if you want to read more about them and their thoughts on things, go to blog.codeship.io, and I'd recommend checking out their video on the uh, front page of codeship.io to get an idea for what the the full service is like. Um, again, codeship.io. Uh, you do not need a special code to get the deal. Uh, if you follow the uh, link in the show notes, you can uh, let them know that we uh, sent you there. Thanks to CodeShip for sponsoring both 5x5 and the Ruby on Rails podcast. All right. So uh, for our last little segment here, I want to talk about something other than programming. And okay. I, I would like an education about the, the sort of current state of of Scotland's secession from the UK. I don't even know if that's the right way to say it. I know very okay. little, and you seem to know a lot, so I I am going to test your uh, teaching abilities, given that you just said that you could be the wow. teacher. So okay. what is the, what's the story right now? So um, the party who are currently in power in the Scottish Parliament, uh, the SNP, uh, have their main goal has always been to get the get Scotland to be independent from the rest of the UK, and so they've uh, 
finally done whatever they needed to do to be allowed to hold a referendum. And so in September, um, the population of Scotland is going to vote for whether they would like to be independent from the rest of the UK or not. Um, wow. Now, what, what would independence entail? Like, what would change? Well, so at the moment, um, the United Kingdom is kind of all one country, with, uh, and it's kind of split up into separate ones. Um, and so... We have the we have the UK Parliament that decide most things, and they will they uh, they are in they are the only Parliament for England, and then the rest of the countries in the UK, Wales, Northern Ireland, and Scotland, um, all have kind of their own individual parliaments that have some power uh, devolved to them from from England and so Scotland ha- I think has the has the most devolved parliament so we have uh, more power to change things in Scotland than either of the two other countries do for themselves um, and really uh the referendum in September is kind of, do we want to go the whole way and become completely separate? And that also means, uh, you know, sharing a common tax system and, you know, pooling our money and stuff uh, w- would end. So, okay, so it, it's 100% independent, so... Yes. Okay. Uh, so p- the, the group of people that are in favor of that, what are their, like, two or three reasons for... For wanting that to be um so there as i understand it their reasons are that uh scottish people should be totally in control of what happens in scotland it shouldn't be decided in england um and they also i think they think we do better financially um because we're we have resources like oil that we would be able to use. Scotland has oil? Scotland does have oil. Uh, Where? Off the coast? Up north? In the North, north Sea, we have huh. lots of oil. That, that's our, probably the main thing we have, to be honest. Um, I, th- I think you're shortchanged in Scotland. <laughs> it's, got, it's got beautiful rolling hills. <laughs> Edinburgh, Edinburgh is beautiful. I love it there. Yeah, I didn't ask what part of Scotland you live in. Is it uh, I, east or west? West. It's west. southwest. Okay. I haven't been on that side of the country. I've been east side a handful of times. But Yeah. Okay. So so uh, uh, people that are for independence like the, the idea of controlling their own destiny, so to speak, and they think that yeah. they're, they're um, subsidizing England and they don't like it. Yeah. Okay. And the people that are against it? People that are against independence think that uh, the main argument is that they think we are better financially being part of the United Kingdom. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, what else? They, the people 
also kind of like it, you know, that's the way it was being. They don't want to have to pass through border controls or anything to get into England, and uh, they want to keep using the same currency because people from Scotland go to England very frequently. I am probably in England every couple of weeks. Um, so so you would stay on the pound, not go to the euro? Well, um, that's the other thing is people want we if we were to go independent there is some debate at the moment as to whether we would be allowed to join the european union so uh, alex salmon the leader of the snp says that we would be able to keep the pound we would be able to keep we would be able to join the eu um and we wouldn't need like border controls or anything and then in england they're saying that the opposite they're saying they would we wouldn't be allowed to keep the pound and we uh the, the EU probably wouldn't let us in. Okay. So how uh, how likely is it that independence is passed? It, it, what's the right way to say that? That, that Scotland secedes? That it, I don't know, it um, breaks away from the UK? Yeah, that's probably a good way of saying it. I th- um, where I live, most of the... Most of the people that I've asked, and this is this is um, my my peer group because they have, for the first time in any like UK election, they've given the vote to people who are sixteen and seventeen years old. So I miss out on voting by about a month, but a lot of my friends will wow. get the chance to vote. Is that is um, is it usually eighteen or? It's usually eighteen. Yes. Huh. Um, mo- so most people that I've spoken to will not be in favor of independence but i think that's probably going to be a view that's more common in the south of scotland because people are close to england or even from england and uh, you know they want to kind of keep that that you know you're not passing into a different country really um but i think kind of further further north uh people do want to be independent and so I think it, it I, it's, 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 it's not easy to kind of predict what way it's going to go. Hmm. So by, so uh, my uh, Scottish geography is a little weak. So the, all of this, the, the two main cities, Glasgow and Edinburgh are in the South. They're kind of like at the same. Yeah. In- they're, yes. Okay. They're, so- they're, they're kind of central. Central, okay. Like, how far They're, down is the is the border with England? What, well, looking. the border of England is right at the bottom of Scotland. Scotland stops well, in England. Begins. Well, I, I know that part, but like, what what city is near the border? Uh, there aren't any. Gotcha. All of the the Scottish Glasgow and Edinburgh are kind of at the same north. Yeah. And uh, then all of the all of our other cities are kind of further up than that. Latitude, I think we were looking for there. Latitude, that's the one. <laughs> okay, so so anything I, north of there, like Dundee North, that's where. Yeah. Uh, okay, gotcha. Um, so it's a bit of a toss-up now. It could go either way. Yeah. How do people in England in general feel about it? Are there more people in favor of Scotland? Um, breaking off or more people in favor of Scotland staying part of England or part most, of the UK? Most people in England, uh, I think, want Scotland to stay. All of the English politicians want Scotland to stay. 
and I think most of them, most of the population probably do as well, for the same reason as the people in Scotland who are in favour of staying together uh, want us to stay. I think just, um, you know, pe people, I think, see it as kind of, well, it's been this way for so long, do we need to change it? And it's uh, people kind of want it to stay the same. Is, um, the, is the general sentiment about, like, so do, do most people in Glasgow and Edinburgh, do they feel, um, do they feel Eng like a connection to the UK? Like, so is their identity as Scottish or is it as, now B British is not the right word here. What, what's the word for like someone from the UK? Is that British? British. British. Okay. Yeah. In do they the whole, feel the, British? The whole I don't know. Hmm. Um, well, how about you? Do you feel yeah. British? Yeah, I think I do. I probably, if I had to identify my nationality, I'd probably say Scottish. Uh, but I do. St I would. I, if someone said, "Are you British?" I would say yes. Um. <laughs> well, I mean, that's, that's. I mean, I guess that's the whole situation in a nutshell, right? That. Yeah. Hmm. Do, do you want to be British or not? <laughs> well, uh, that was a good education. Um, what's your prediction? Uh, since I've got, I've got you on the record, what the heck? <laughs> okay. If I had to choose, I don't think, I don't think Scotland will become independent. Hmm. Yeah. Well, that's good. We should make this show, uh, you know, uh, Ross teaches me about everything. Show. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. Well, I'm not sure what next episode would be. Uh, I wonder if the. Um, this is a hard question to ask you because you probably don't know the situation in the states. But is like is Texas's feeling of independence as it's not as strong as Scotland's is. Like so, so the most independent feeling state in the U.S. is Texas. Like, if you were to rank all of the states, like, most uh -huh. likely to decide to vote for independence, Texas would win. Um, but I don't know if... I, my guess is that it's quite a bit short of how strongly Scotland feels about it. But I'd love to I'd love to talk to someone that knew both places equally well. Yeah. Because then they could, like, help level set, uh, you know, us Americans, you know, our, our understanding yeah. of the situation. Yeah. yeah. My, my guess is that it's... It's less strong than uh, the feeling in Scotland, um, just because I mean we have come far enough to let elect a party into power that is the one pushing for it, and they've got through to holding the referendum. Yeah. Plus, you've got the movie Braveheart, and Texas doesn't have that quite as. Much. Yeah. Well, that was. I mean, I, I I seriously think that if if we'd had this election fifteen years ago or whenever it was that Braveheart come out, came out, I think the outcome might be a bit different. <laughs> People would be yelling freedom in the streets. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Well, well, good luck to that, or good luck with that whole situation. <laughs> uh, why, don't we, uh, why don't we wrap up by plugging whatever it is you'd like to plug? Where can, where can people find you on the Internet? What, what, do you wanna, what do you want um, people to know about you right now? Okay, uh, you can... Follow me on Twitter. Uh, I'm Penman Ross on Twitter, P-E-N-M-A-N-R-O-S-S. -S. And my website is rosspenman.com. And I write some things there. I'm trying to do more writing at the moment. So, How, how, do you, how often do you uh, blog? Um, 
uh, I well, this year I probably I blogged twice. Where once was the other day, and the other time was a couple of months ago. Um, but I'm trying to kind of pick that up a bit, uh, and so I, I'm, you know, in the process of writing some other things that I will get around to finishing at some point. But do you have that's a problem for me, right? Do you uh, do you ever subtweet about your teachers and school administrators, or just blo- you know, <laughs> blog about them without mentioning them? <laughs> no, no, not mo- most of my tweets are very technical. Okay. So, so if we if we follow you on Twitter, it'll be mostly Ruby Rails, CSS, it will JavaScript, be mostly nerd stuff. Well, you can slip in the occasional teenage thing. <laughs> um, all right, and uh, for the summer, if someone's got a, a proposal for a high-paying, very interesting job for Ross, you're listening, right? For six weeks. <laughs> all right. Well, Ross, I uh, I was very impressed by you. You are. You're something else. It's uh, it's fun to get an education from a 15-year-old about politics. Uh, <laughs> I think that if we did that, uh, if we did a little experiment where we asked a bunch of 15-year-olds about politics in their country, I think you would do significantly better than average. <laughs> so I enjoyed it. Uh, thanks a bunch for coming on. You can uh, find me on Twitter. I'm I'm barely known. Thanks. <laughs>